0: Welcome to the Diversify Business Show with Eric Lindsay. Here at Diversify, you will learn how to successfully operate a business while having W-2 income or very minimal amounts of time. Experts will provide you with actionable and up-to-date strategies that will help you operate a profitable business. Here at the Diversify Business Show, we choose to focus on financial security, not job security. Today, we are here with Anjesh Debay. Anjesh is the co-founder of Debay Investor Group, a private equity real estate investment firm that co-invests with a group of investors in large apartments. Anjesh brings over 10 years of real estate investing experience across different markets in the U.S. Anjesh began his real estate investing in 2012 and since then invested in many residential homes and has went Full cycle on many of them. Andre, she is a limited partner in over 1,100 units across the Sunbelt markets. He is also a general partner in over 660 units in the Southeast markets with total property assets of over $90 million. He is passionate about helping tech professionals build generational wealth and legacy by investing in tax preferred real estate investments. Without further ado, Welcome to the show, Anjesh.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. Uh, uh, Great to have you here. And uh, uh, thanks for having me here.
0: Yeah, definitely. No problem. I'm really intrigued by your background and looking to learn a lot from you and hear more value. And so with that being said, if you could kind of share with the Moonlight listeners a little bit more about your background and also share how you got started in real estate.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, me and my wife are, as you said, a co-founder of the Dubai Investor Group, and uh, we started in the multifamily real estate uh, this earlier this year in February. And really, in real estate, we started in like 2009, uh, almost 12, 13 years ago, right after the college when we bought our first land, actually. And with our background in the family, uh, they all come from the real estate. So we always knew that uh, we needed to do something in real estate to build a generational wealth. And uh, we started from there in 2009, we started going into the buying multiple residential homes starting 2012 and onward. And then the last, for the last 10 years, we bought multiple residential homes like duplexes, triplexes uh, over across multiple markets in us. And after doing that for a while, we started going into like, Hey, what do we want to do next? And then we started found about like, Hey, and uh, th- it's going to take a really slow time to build this portfolio by one by one. So instead, we started looking into the multifamilies and then found a completely new niche like, hey, this uh, this makes a total sense to go just bigger and uh, use the economy of scale in this way.
0: Well, wow, yeah, so that's amazing. You start off as a husband wife team at, back in 2009 Really pretty good timing. I mean, property probably, probably was coming down and they were probably dirt cheap at that point. And so you guys were maybe able to scoop some things up at a, a really good price there. But you started there and eventually kind of moved to small multifamily and, and made the realization that you needed to go bigger, faster, and so moved up into the larger multifamily as of today. So yeah, that's exactly. great.
1: And that time, I think, uh, yeah, it's just sad. Like the timing was great and we were buying even under the listing price. So uh, that was a great time. But as as you can always say it, like I think buy real estate and wait instead of waiting to buy a real estate. So that's just always true.
0: Yeah. So 2009, it was a great time, especially if you were picking up properties under list price. Yeah, you guys, I don't believe in time in the market, but I think you guys got it right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Hey, could you bring us up to speed as to what exactly do you do as of today? You said that you have moved into more large scale multifamily. Could you just kind of share what your day to day looks like and what kind of properties you're currently targeting? Yeah, definitely.
1: So I recently closed on the uh, 174 unit in Georgia. Um How we work is we vet an operator, we look at it across all the uh, really elite class operators who have a huge experience, and we choose only the best operators to work with. So we look at the deal and what markets they look at, they are looking at it, do they have experience, we make sure that operators are in the best class. Like For us, the deal comes later, but the operators comes first. If operator is not great, they can make the great deal go down the drain. But if it's a great operator, they can make an okay deal work really great for our investors. So what our niche is, like, find out what are these best operators are, how are they operating, really know them. Like, I do not invest with the operators who I just knew from yesterday. We, like, spend time with them. We find out what they have done in the past. I meet them. When I really trust them and, and ensure that their values are aligned with my company's values and they will make sure that my investor's capital is preserved, then only I proceed to even look at it, what they have in the deal, and then look at it, what, how they have underwritten it, how they have uh, looked at it, all the sensitivities, what the market is going to do in the next three, four, five years, and how their deal will look like if something goes one way or the other. So really test it out, and once it's approved and better criteria is done, and then we reach out to our investors to partner with us into that deal.
0: Okay, so you are coming alongside of experienced operators, it sounds like, that has track records and have went full cycle on some deals. I'm sure that that's probably one of your criterias. So are you more coming along as the capital raiser with some other benefits and not that you're just only capital raising, because, of course, we know that, you know, to protect ourselves from SEC rules, the whole nine yards, we can't just simply raise capital, we have to be active within a deal. But is that kind of your strength as being a strong capital raiser?
1: exactly yeah so that's what we majorly do and then once the deal closes we actively participate in the asset management calls so every week we have this call where we talk to the property managers and as a general partner in the deal i get along on the on the phone call with them and like hey what is going on 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 this property this is our business plan looks like how far ahead on that business plan we are or how far we are falling back. And if you're falling back, what next we need to do to get ourselves on the track back again. And then that's how it allows us to make sure that we are keeping a close eye on our business plan and make sure that we are achieving our returns as we have underwritten them.
0: Nice. So could you share with the listeners exactly what it looked like when you got into the deal on this 174 units in Georgia? So I know you kind of gave us a general overview. Could you share with us, like, how did you locate this gentleman or locate this opportunity? And then just kind of the nuts and bolts briefly regarding this 174 units in Georgia.
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, uh, as I said, like, I, I I continue to build relationships. I think relationship is the key as real estate investment is a team sport. And that I realized it, it took me a long time. So that's one of the advice I would give to anyone listening to this is that, hey, don't wait. and assume that everything that you need to do in real estate investment is to be by yourself try to utilize other people's expertise because everyone is good at something if you are only gonna do start doing everything by yourself and that means market research uh, getting the looking for the property getting it into the contract finance property management etc that's a lot to do and lot to achieve and it can overwhelm anyone really very fast so if you want to really make progress don't just pick one thing that you're really good at it and partner with someone else who they are good at something else. And that allows you to progress faster. So I really now believe into that. And then I work in a team sport way. I know what am I good at it. I know that I am really good at in-market research and insights. Once I pick up the market, then I really start building relationships with the operators in those markets. And then once I continue to have more conversations and continue to look into their past deals and experience, and once I really feel good, and then whenever their new deal comes up, I'm already ready to take an action. And when they deal ha- once, once they have that deal, I have already uh, floated that out to my investors. And once they trust me, because they have seen my past experience and my past deals, they really trust it. And then I can easily bring capital into this deal to, to close faster. And that's how I build that relationship across different markets, across different operators.
0: That's a phenomenal resource, especially in the current market that we're in. There's a lot of investors or LPs that's kind of sitting on the sidelines because of the volatility that's being produced by the high interest rate. So Being connected with a person like you is a very valuable resource. So, hey, I'm just curious, within your process, do you have like a certain percentage that you demand as far as on the GP split percentage? Do you have like maybe a go-to percentage that you prefer when working with other operators?
1: absolutely so i want to protect my investors and i'm seeing the deals on the from all the all the different domains now but what i prefer for my investors a 70 30 split i would like 70% for my investors and 30% for general partners i am seeing deals because of the interest rates going more like 60 40 and then i'm seeing some more hurdles coming in in place as well we're like hey after 12% irr or 13% irr this is going to go to 50-50 partnership. I'm trying to protect my investors in the economical environment that, hey, I'm trying to avoid these kind of hurdles. And, or even if there are hurdles are there, they should be at a, a little bit higher IRR. I want really general partners to really perform on their business plan so that my investors can continue to see a better return.
0: Okay, great. No, that's fair enough. You have basically set your terms and everyone is entitled to express what would be most beneficial for their investors. And and that's syndication one-on-one there. Hey, with that being said, where do you see the market trending at this point? We know that the Fed has increased rates, interest rates pretty well here. Do you see this tapering off anytime soon? And even if they do stop bumping, The interest rates, do you think that it will kind of come back down anytime soon?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Obviously, I know no one has a crystal ball into it, but anything that you can do is really project it and then predict it. My prediction is that uh, the Fed may start to increase slowly in the next year, but coming down is actually a long shot. I do not expect Fed to actually bring down interest rates anytime soon maybe in 2024, but definitely not in 2023. And because of that, I think it's even more important to continue to watch the, this real estate and multifamily business because if you're worried about the interest rates right now, the, in one year, these interest rates are going to start looking better if mm-hmm. Fed is going to continue to increase it. And that aligns with like, hey, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy mm-hmm. it and then wait. And it's a, it's only a single single line really because if rates do come down, you can easily refinance and then you can get that a better rate. So I do not think that Fed is ready to come down, and this and that's for one basic reason is because inflation isn't come down as fast as we would like to see it. And people has still have a lot of cash reserves. There is a lot more capital sitting it on people's banks that is ready to be deployed, but there are just no. Opportunities. I mean, the stock market is tanking. You think that it's down today's lowest, and you anybody putting in there and it's going to go further down. So I don't want to be in in that bucket. Like I want to put my money into something hard asset that can continue to appreciate with inflation. And as we all know, with inflation, the rent prices are going to go up. And with multifamily, as the rent price is going to go up, NOI is going to go up and then the it's going to appreciate further and further.
0: Yeah, that's great insight there. Yeah, so I'm hearing a lot of the same thought process on that as far as even when the Fed does stop like increasing the interest rates, it probably will just stay put at that mark until inflation comes down to a reasonable number there. So yeah, I think that's a great take. Hey, you also mentioned that you have W-2 income Could you share a little bit about your W-2 income and also how you have been able to achieve all of your real estate success while being a W-2 employee?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm still uh, working full time and I'm a very busy professional uh, here in uh, a technology company in Silicon Valley. And my day is really starts early in the morning, 8, 8.30. And it doesn't end really late in the evening. So it's very important for me to uh, really balance both if I'm taking on undertaking this business and I want to make a a successful uh, uh, initiative here, make it successful, then I need to really balance it along with uh, uh, my young family that I have, that I need to spend time with it. So for for myself, so that I do not burn out, the two key uh, things that I follow is planning and focusing. Uh, really planning hard for like at least two to three weeks in advance and making a list of things that needs to happen in the priority order and by when they need to be completed. And most importantly, give yourself a room for error as well because you don't know what's going to happen. Your child is going to get sick or uh, there's going to be a day off in the school. So you have to take care of a lot of things in between. So it's really important that you give yourself uh, for uh, room for error so that you do not uh, beat yourself to it. And then get up another day and then ready for it. So the most important day for me, really planning wise, is Sunday, like when I plan out the rest of the week so that I remain in the control of my next week instead of the week is controlling me, like whatever comes on my way, and then I'm like booked the entire day. That allows me to like really work on the important things and that allows me to like focus on really important aspect of my business my work and that's how I just operate and makes me like very efficient in what i'm doing
0: yeah i think that's a phenomenal strategy planning and focusing and really just kind of getting ahead and looking ahead so that you can make sure that you're staying as efficient as possible especially when you're working w2 income because you still want to do a great job at your For your employer, but at the same time, you still want to make great investments on the side. So I think that's a great strategy and something that our Moonlight listeners can definitely see some value in. Hey, I'm going to kind of turn the page here and we're going to move further into the show. We're going to go into what we like to call our Moonlight coaching questions here, our Moonlight coaching questions here. And I'll ask you a few questions. If you could hold your response to between one to two minutes per question, that'd be great. Sure. Okay. So first question is, could you give our listeners some advice that you wish you would have known before you started investing in real estate?
1: Yeah. I wish that I knew that uh, there is a better way to invest in real estate. And that is by partnering uh, with other people. Initially, I thought that just to invest in real estate, there is only one way, which is uh, buy something, hold on to it, have it appreciated, and then wait for a few years. Then i built up more of my cash, buy again, and then just keep doing on for years until I have enough so that it, I can just start generating enough passive income that I can either replace my active income or uh, use it in the retirement. But now what I know, uh, there is a better way to make that happen. And that is by partnering with others. And that allows you to tap into even more and more assets, allows you to diversify your uh, investments across multiple asset classes and and, and multiple asset types uh, that uh, allows you to safeguard and reduce your risk and then just buy it sooner, right? Because real estate is just always going to go up. And that means sooner you buy it, the more opportunities you have in the hand instead of like building the cash uh, uh, slowly
0: yeah great answer on that one so how long did it take you to complete your first syndication as on the gp side
1: yeah it took a, a pretty much a grind so it it just uh, we took about 4 months uh, when we got into the contract from there and then there was just like a lot of stuff to do related to the financing uh, getting the uh, all the due diligence done, getting inspection done. Uh, actually, just by getting into the contract from LOI to the contract was a, a lot of work as well, a lot of retrade back and forth and making sure that seller stumps are appropriate. And then we are safeguarding our investors, getting all the documents up and running. So it took a good amount of four months from like end to end to close our deal.
0: Okay, great, great. Yeah. So multifamily is a little bit longer process than the single family world. So that's nothing abnormal there. So next question is, if a person had very little cash or experience, what would you recommend for them to do to become an active syndicator?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I would look into how you can add value to the other successful syndicators. What skills do you have? What expertise you can bring to them? everyone is good at something right uh, i would start with like self evaluating myself like i would actually write down my strengths and weaknesses what am i good at how can i help someone achieving their goals so that i can help achieve mine right are you good at website building setting up a active campaign are you good in con- content writing uh, are you good in the uh, talking to the people are you good talking to the brokers like what skills you can bring to the to them so that They can utilize your skills and then they feel that, hey, bringing this person on my team is going to really help my business. And in the process, you will build that strong relationship with them and then you will also learn in the process. So that's a great way to become and learn like hands-on instead of sitting on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Just as you said a little bit earlier, it's a team sport and there's going to be different team players that's strong in different areas. So some people are strong in capital like you. Some people are strong in deal sourcing. Some people are strong in asset management, the whole nine yards. So you just have to figure out exactly what it is that you're good at. So great answer once again. And the final question is, what is the best way for a person to find limited partners to partner with?
1: Yeah, I think the the best way to uh, find a limited partner is to go with like helping to solve what their problem is instead of like selling. I would go in and talk to you within your network and then find out like, hey, what are your financial goals? Are like, what is it that they want to achieve? It there is a different set of problems and a different uh, set of people, right? So if someone is working in someone like me or like a track professional, uh, they have a challenge of like, hey, how do I work in a a high uh, tax uh, state. Uh, I have a tax challenge. How can I mitigate and reduce my taxes? Uh, Now you can bring a value to them by uh, posting it that, hey, this real estate investment might be a better option because it provides, it's already a tax-preferred asset. Some people have more... uh, Risk uh, aversion, like hey, I don't want to invest in stocks, right? So that also another way to find out, like hey, you can have invest into the more stable asset class, and that is real estate. So, and it might not be appropriate, like this kind of investment. If someone is like, hey, uh, my daughter is getting married next month, this kind of investment may not be appropriate for them at all because this is illiquid, right? so you talk to them, uh, find out what are their goals are, what do they want to achieve it, and then so that you can. Really educate them whether this is the right thing for you or not.
0: Wow, that's great advice there. That's amazing. So, really kind of digging deep to figure out exactly where a person is and what it is that they're trying to do instead of just basically going out as a salesperson, looking in to see exactly if you can help meet their goals. Exactly. Okay, great, great. Hey, so that concludes our coaching portion of the show here. As we conclude this podcast, we always like to ask our guests, what is a great business or personal development book that you would recommend for the Moonlight listeners?
1: Oh, yeah, I have a great one. Uh, I recently finished reading uh, Do the Hard Things First by Scott Allen. It's a great read, and it really helps in learning how to win over our procrastination by mastering the habits of doing difficult work. We all procrastinate on things, even we know we know that it's an important for us and important for to do them. No matter your goal, I think if you read this book, the learnings you are going to get from that can be applied in the all walks of life.
0: Yeah, that sounds like an interesting book there. I may have heard of that, but I'm definitely going to have to go pick that one up. So, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Get everything that's difficult out immediately and then kind of start tinkering away at the easier tasks there. So, hey, Anjesh, thanks for coming on the show. You have provided tons of value. I was really looking forward to connecting with you and hearing your story. And I'm glad you decided to join us on the show today. How can our Moonlight listeners get in contact with you? If, say, someone wanted to partner with you or just reach out to you to hold a conversation, what's the best way to be able to do so?
1: Yeah, definitely. The best way to reach out to me is via LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn, uh, very active. Uh, LinkedIn dot slash or via my website, Dubainvestor.com. And I'm also on the all social major, uh, prominent social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So you can look up the Bay Investor group, and you will find it.
0: Okay, great, great. Well, guys, hey, definitely reach out to Unjay. She's a phenomenal individual, and it seems like he's doing some great, great things. And Anjash, we know you're going to continue to ascend and, and do great things. And we would love to have you back on the show anytime.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Really great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Diversify Business Show with Eric Lindsay. Please make sure to give us a five-star review, subscribe to this channel, and share this podcast with someone that is destined for business success. And until next time let's keep pursuing financial security, not job security.